Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Right Integrity Press. Happy Election Day! Oh my gosh, this is an exciting time for our country, and this is Publishing Lane. I'm Margie Lane Klubine, together with multi-published author and freelance editor, Faye Lamb. Hello, everybody. I hope you're having a nice autumn and that you're not panicking too much over the election results right now. (laughs) So let's just take a break. (laughs) Yes, and it's worth taking a break. Yikes. I cannot believe that it's already November. I I don't know about you. Well, yes, I do kind of know about you, but I am, we're having an incredible fall. I, I know for most of the country, they have four seasons. I mean, that's just the norm. But where I live in Dallas, in the Dallas area, we usually get kind of short-sheeted when it comes to autumn. I mean, seriously, we'll have a little bit of winter. We'll have a beautiful spring, a huge summer, and then just kind of everything just kind of falls off the tree. It just drops. But not this year. Um, the temps started going down in September. Oh, my gosh. It was it blew my mind. Usually we have blazing summer, blazing uh, Indian summer in September. And, no, they started going down in September. We were having weekly rains. And as a result, I'm telling you, the color is amazing. It is the best I have ever seen. Well, not ever, but it's the best I've seen for some time. And I have to tell you, absolutely love autumn it's my favorite season mm-hmm. partly because i love the crisp air i love the smell of fireplaces stirring but then also it's the furthest season from our wilting summer weather and i hate summer i am not a fan of summer but you florida girl do y'all even get autumn or winter or is it just summer and hurricane season that y'all have it's usually summer and hurricane season. We, we had our one day of fall, and it just happened to fall last weekend, and it was an outdoor book fest event. And I kid you not, it was 73 degrees, and the natives were wearing jackets. Ray, I'm going to tell on Rachel Halk. Author Rachel Halk was one of our speakers uh-huh. for the event, and uh-huh. her teeth were chattering. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> She is a Florida gal, just like me. We were in so we had our heavy winter jackets. Yeah. Oh my that gosh. <laughs> that is that is. I mean, to be honest, it was in the 60s on Sunday, and there was a gal in shorts, uh-huh. and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> just blew so my we mind. But yes. And the lady next to me had a blanket over her. <laughs> 73 in a blanket. Oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, Yeah, yeah, I guess you are. You know, we 
we make sure the air conditioner's turned on at 73. Yeah, I'm about to say, if it's at 73 at night, I am hot. It is way too hot. <laughs> wow, that is funny. You know, but it is November. It blows my mind that 2018 is racing by so fast. And we're getting mm-hmm. close to 2019. So, it's worth taking a little bit of time to share some special things that we're starting to do at Right Integrity Press. Now, Right Integrity Press has been around since right about 2012. Isn't that right? You've been here since almost the beginning, right, Faye? Almost, very close to it. There were a few other authors that were there before me, and then I came in. And uh, Margie, I think that you were actually a part of Right Integrity Press before I was. Well, I think we might have come in at the same time then because, mm-hmm. you know, our our book, um, The Christmas Tree Treasure Hunt, oh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> I got a little cough. The Christmas Tree Treasure Hunt, I was actually, I actually um, entered that as a contest. I wasn't mm-hmm. an author. And so I entered that as a concept, contest and I won my way into that book. You were already part of that book. And so oh, I think okay. you, I think we actually came right about the same time then, if that was your first one, because it was my first one too. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's just such a special company. It is such a family, and there's such a family feel to it, um, praying, praying for each other and supporting each other and encouraging one another. I just love that about, um, about our Right Integrity family and our authors. But I have to tell you, you know, I, I was able to, t- to um, step into the role of executive director two years ago. And so for my first full year in 2017, my goal was just to learn what I was doing, <laughs> just, just to figure out what I was doing. And, and I wanted to put out just one book a month, just one book a month. And we realized that goal. We were able to do that. We have an incredible team of uh, editors, and I just, I'm so in their debt. And so this year, this year I had a little bit stronger goal. I wanted to put out two books per month. Now I had other goals too, um, as far as marketing and things like that, but but particularly the two books per month was what I wanted to be able to put out. And we actually succeeded in that goal too. Um, we also had like four award winners or uh, four different mm-hmm. award-winning books, four or five now that I think about it. And one of our books won like a creme de la creme award and another one of our books won like five awards. I mean, it just of the 2017 releases it's such an amazing group of authors you guys are so talented I'm just saying you're one of them you are just so talented (laughs) so it has been such a treat um so beginning in 2019 uh, we're actually doing something this is something new that I have to share um but you know what before I start sharing that I kind of want to get into some background okay so mm-hmm. there's a little bit of background. We do have something really special that Right Integrity Press is about to do, but I want to talk about the background of what this all is, and it's kind of our topic tonight. We're actually talk, talking about um, the types of publishing. Now, going into this, a couple of years ago, I always thought there were three types of publishing, and, and there are. There are three types of publishing, but there are actually four types now, and that's just kind of happened recently in the last couple of years there's just become this 
fourth type that has spun up a little bit. And so we're going to talk about all four types of the publishing. Um, and and I, I mean, I'm assuming that you would agree with that, right, Faye, that you would agree with that there I are four do. types? So I we're going do. to talk about all four of those. Why don't you tell us about those then? Okay. We have our traditionally published authors. Um, right. Those are the ones who send in their work and they're accepted for a contract. And we have our indie or self-published authors. Those are the ones who brave the world all by themselves. And then we have <laughs> authors who pay a subsidy, sub, subsidy press to print their work. They pay for that. And then there's the fourth option, which is a combination of the other three that are mentioned. And I think you're going to get more into that. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to talk about actually all of them. But more than just mm-hmm. talking about the, pub, the types of publishing, I want to talk about the types of authors that might choose each of the types of publishing because each type is not for everyone. So if you're listening and you're out there, and especially this month, you're doing NaNo, you know, NaNoWriMo, it, it's mm-hmm. a, a hot month. Boy, do it. Write it. Get it done. Write the end. But there's another step. In fact, there are probably several other steps that you're going to need to take. And publishing is one of those things that you need to start thinking about of um, what what kind of publishing you need to get into, what's going to be best for your story, or if you're planning a career, what's going to be best for your career as far as what type of publishing would help you the most. So we're going to talk about all four of those. Um, let's start with traditional publishing, though. Now, this is not only the powerhouse publishing companies. There, there are some powerhouse publishing companies just in Christian fiction, like Baker Publishing and Thomas Nelson Zondervan, um, B&H Publishing Group, um, and Watermark, Watermark Multnomah. Um, there's some others too, but there are also the smaller companies, Lighthouse Carolina, the uh, Lighthouse Publishing of the Carolinas. Let me get that one right. Pelican Book Group. Those are all smaller publishing groups. That includes Right Integrity Press. We are a traditional publishing company, just like the big powerhouses. We just don't have the big powerhouses' names, or you know, I mean, or you know, buildings. But but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. And and for these companies, these traditional publishers, they have submission guidelines. They also have submission processes. And the larger companies, um, you usually have to get through into those larger companies. There's there's one. There's two ways. Um, primarily, you usually need an agent. An agent is what gets you through the door. They're the they're the intermediary. So you go to an agent and you submit your manuscripts, and they will send it to the publishers, the editors at the publishing houses. But you can also go to book uh, book conferences like um, American Fiction Writers and other things, and you can sit down with an editor, and you may be fortunate enough to get that editor's approval, send your manuscript in. Um, Many houses won't even entertain proposals that are submitted by an author without an agent unless they connect with them at at a book conference. And right. the agents are—they have an important purpose. They are considered the gatekeepers by larger companies. They—they're the ones who know what they're looking for. They know what to submit. They know the submission guidelines, and they depend. These larger companies depend upon agents. And when a proposal assembled, 
it has to be fashioned exactly the way the acquisitions editor wants to see it. You can find, when you go to any website, when you go to an agent's website, when you go to a publisher's website, if they, if they accept your submissions, they spell it out for you, and you need to follow those guidelines to the T. That's very important. Yeah, it really is important. I, you know, I bet we could set up a whole show about making a good impression on acquiring editors, agents oh, too, yeah. for that matter. <laughs> but I, I will tell you, though, and just just staying on this, when it comes to finding the submission requirements and, and what Faye said about following them to a T, for some companies, that's actually your first test. And if you mm-hmm. can't do that simple test, they're not even going to look at your proposal. They're not even going to read your email. If you can't, if you don't have the elements in your email the way they want to see them, then they're not even going to look at your email. They're just going to send you a canned note that says, thank you, no thank you, um, because you've already failed before you ever get your foot in the door. You may have written the next Harry Potter, but you have to be able to submit This is a great Christian word anyway. We have to submit to the authority and what they want to see. Um, And so that's that's just my little little soapbox on there. (laughs) And and it's generally true that no matter what size company you approach, you're likely going to also receive a lesson in patience. That's something that we're not good at as authors. (laughs) <laughs> no, not in any, not in anything. Then you have to be authors. I hate waiting in line, but I will say I know for me, my agent um, approached one particular house that wanted to see a full manuscript of one of my books, um, and the editor, the, the the acquiring editor that I spoke with um, at a conference, like you were saying, I spoke with at a book conference. She was very excited and she wanted to see my full manuscript. But she was moving into another role within her company, and so my full manuscript needed to go to another um, acquiring editor that, you know, she told me the name, she told me how to, how to put it into her and everything, and my agent actually sent it to her. Well, it got misplaced because the other acquiring editor didn't get the word. Somehow there was a communication glitch. So after 90 days, my agent found out that, this acquiring editor had never actually gotten the manuscript that had been requested by this other editor. So we sent it again. He talked to the editor. The editor was just really sweet about it. So he sent it again. She promised that she would reply in just a couple of weeks, and another 90 days passed. And my agent wrote and received another reply pretty promptly that they were about to start a special promotion and that they were, as soon as the promotion was over, that this um, acquiring editor would read my manuscript right after they were done with that. Nobody had even looked at it yet. At that point, my I mean, we're, we're now six months down the road, and my agent at that point was, was preparing to retire. So I'm thinking, I, I kind of picture that story, and I, I still think it's floating through the the slush of that company somewhere. It's just kind of floating around. We we never ended up hearing back from that from that company at all. It just happens. Uh, 
It does, and and I want to say that 90 days is key. If you don't hear anything, if you've been requested to send anything, mark it, calendar it for 90 days. There is, yeah. I cannot imagine an acquisition editor that will have a problem with you following up and saying, and, and with a nice letter, I'm just writing to follow up. Because I'm going to yeah. tell you something that we've kind of not really said much about on the program here. While I write for Write Integrity Press, I'm also right. an acquisition editor for another traditional publisher. And I want to share with our listeners a, a brief kind of timeline of a submitted manuscript. Okay, now so I'm going to interrupt you for if, just a second. Hang okay. on. I'm going to interrupt you for just okay. a second. Listeners, if y'all are listening, turn your volume up because this is solid gold coming from an actual acquisitions editor and say knows her stuff. So turn your volume up and listen and take notes. Okay. Okay, unless an author has worked with me before, this is how the process goes. If you've worked with me before, you kind of go to the top of the list and your, and your manuscript will fall into my inbox, and I will be looking at it. But I still go on the same timeline. But it will come through if you're a new author and you go into our system. It will randomly be assigned to an acquisitions editor. Let's say it's me, and I get it, and I have so many days to review this. Um, now you have to remember that I that acquisition editors they don't just get one file at a time, and acquiring isn't always our only job. I also, in the company that I, I that I am an acquisitions editor, I am a second editor because we have two edits: an acquisition edit and then and a copy edit. So I'm doing both, and I'm getting several files at one time. So it goes without saying that I can have several different files at different stages in the process. So when I receive this new acquisition, I can usually tell within the first five pages if the story is right for the publisher. If it is, I continue to read, and this is me because I am OCD, and I edit as I go along in case I decide at the end of the edit that I want to request a contract. I don't have to go back through it again. I've already done it. So if I send it for a contract and it goes to another level and they say, oh, yeah, we like it too, it comes back to me. It's already edited. I, the contract goes out, contract comes back, signed by the editor, and boom, it goes. So that that kind of acts quickly. But let's say – I decide that I'm going to reject a manuscript in time, explaining to the author the reasons for the rejection. And I do this because at my particular company, we generally don't like form letters. The way you will get a form letter is if you send something to us and you haven't followed the guidelines or if uh-huh. I recognize that you are a person who has never studied the art of fiction, then I may just send you a blanket thing because everything is wrong with it and it covers basically everything in the submission. So, And then if I send a rejection letter, usually I want to be so thorough about it that when you get it, you'll know what to do to clean it up. And then I say, if you agree with these suggestions, feel free to resubmit. Um, if I requ- if I acquire the manuscript, that's it's not my decision to offer a contract. I am the acquiring agent, but I have to go up the line to the big boss, 
and the big boxes yep. look over it, and they're looking at things. It, your writing might be beautiful. I have had wonderful stories that didn't get published by my publisher, but someone else picked them up very quickly. It was It's just because they see a niche or a market that they can work into, and it's profitable for the company and for the authors. And if your book isn't going to fit that niche and that profitability range, they're going to send a rejection letter for you. They're not going to offer a contract. Um, so from where I send it up, the, the book is really scrutinized by others, and they determine several aspects, such as the marketability. So patience is a necessity, and a 90-day turnaround is really good. So one yeah. thing to, co- to consider when submitting to the company is what you've already mentioned, Margie. It's the attention to detail. detail. You want to make sure that everything is done the way it should be. Things like double spacing, one-inch margins, no tabs. You, that is so important to us as an acquiring. And, and Margie, you might agree or disagree, but what, because I'm OCD. When I get a manuscript and it's not the way it should be, I try to fix it. So as I'm trying oh. to fix this, what's going on in my head, I'm going, this, is, this person isn't following following directions very well. If I'm going to want to work with them, I'm probably going to have to lead them by the nose to get them to do what they're what they should be doing. And so that makes it really hard. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I, it, keeping in mind and just to add on to that, say you're working with the author when you send up um, a contract saying that this is a good contract and you're wanting to work with this author. It's the same thing with Ride Integrity Press. If we sign an author, I'm literally hiring, almost hiring somebody that I'm going to work with. And yeah. if they can't follow simple instructions like, you know, one-inch margins and or, and things like that, if they can't follow those kinds of instructions, then that just makes our job harder. Um, because yeah. that means everything that has to be done has to be done, you know, once, twice, thrice to try and get it through that it really does have to be done this way. And that that just makes the job harder. So authors, as you're listening, you're hearing it from an acqu- acquiring editor, um, make sure that you have everything in order. Mm-hmm. So... D- I, okay, I didn't. I cut into you, but I didn't. I want to make sure that you got everything out that you wanted to say. Well, I, also, you need to make sure that the genre that you're sending to the company is something that they do acquire. You want to make sure oh, that yeah. your word count falls within it, because sometimes they only they only want under eighty thousand. Now, some publishers these days. They're a little bit more flexible, but 80,000 pages is a, is a good book. Um, and sometimes your story might require more. Then you're going to need to look for another publisher that will handle that word count or that genre. Those are very important things to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. And those are things that uh, word count and, uh, and genre are things that seriously, if you're not fitting with a publisher, there's, there's a, I mean, if your word count doesn't fit with a publisher, if your genre doesn't fit with a publisher, and I mean genre you can't change, but if you can't, if you're not willing to change the word count to fit the publisher, don't expect the publisher to make the adjustment to fit you, because that's just, 
that's not going to work out. Um, and I can tell you that with Right Integrity Press, we have some pretty in-depth requirements. We ask actually for an awful lot of things in our proposals, but each item that we request, we're going to actually use if the project is to chosen for publication. <clears throat> so at least for our company, this isn't just a test. I mean, it is a test, but it's not only a test as to whether the author can follow instructions. Um, it, it actually, all of these pieces actually have a purpose. But I will say it is rather telling when I receive a submission from someone who is, it is very obvious they haven't even bothered to read through our submission requirements. If nothing else, and I know this is going to sound kind of harsh, if nothing else, it indicates a lack of professionalism, just plain and simple, either through inexperience or laziness or somewhere in between. Um, it, it just does because an author who's serious about her career or his career, they're going to do the homework necessary to learn about the company that they've chosen. Um, if, if the company, if their, if their book is right for that company, and even more, if that company is right for them, um, they need to be able to do their homework. So, and if it's best for the project, if it's best for the author, um, for the career. So wouldn't you agree with that, Faye? I do, um, absolutely. Because something that I've been running into recently, I, and this is even with Christian authors, they don't know the meaning of clean and wholesome. There are a lot of Christian publishers who are branching out, and they realize the need for clean and wholesome fiction that may not have like an overt Christian message, but it's safe for families to read, to, to grab a hold of. You can give it to your teenage daughter, your, your teenage And not be son. embarrassed. Right. And not be embarrassed. And I've received some submissions that were neither clean nor wholesome. And these are from Christian authors. That's the meaning of homework. Understanding what the publisher wants within the genre that they're requesting. What does it mean to be clean and wholesome? Here's a hint. It means the same as the Christian Book Association just that it may not center on a Christian scene, but everything has to be just something that you would not, you could sit down with your five-year-old and your, your five-year-old daughter and your 90-year-old great-grandmother. Yeah, yeah, exactly so. I mean, and, and very plainly, no uh, foul language, no cuss words, uh -huh. no curse words. No, I mean, I'm from Texas. It was all called cussing here when I was growing up. So that's kind of yeah, that all no comes out again. And no taking God's name in vain. God's right. name in vain. Um, that, that's not going to be acceptable um, for uh, no extra sex scenes. We don't need to see the bedroom. We don't even need no. to have hints of the bedroom with somebody pulling down their shirt or any of that garbage. We, I mean, that, that's not clean and wholesome. No. Um and if you have questions about it, then take a look at the website of the publisher. Look at your genre. If you're YA or fantasy or um, or, or romantic suspense, like Faye is, look at her. Look at your genre, and pull one of the books. Go get one of their books. It's not going to be that expensive. Go get one of their books and read. This is acceptable. 
for this for this mm-hmm. publishing, publisher. If I want to go for this publisher, this is what I have to have. This is what I need to be able to write, both in quality and in subject matter. Not necessarily, of course, the content is going to be different, but in quality and in subject matter, it's going to need to be that clean. It's going to need to have that kind of quality. Um, yeah. Okay, so we have taught traditional publishing into the wall. We're going to come back yeah. to it in just a little bit, but Let's talk about the next type of publishing. And it's the other side of the coin, independent publishing. Um, you know, whereas you have to be extremely professional, you have to focus on your platform, you have to um, be aware of basically everything you say on social media for traditional publishing because they're going to look. Um, for indie publishing, you kind of don't have to do any of that because as an, indie pub- as an independent publisher, publisher as an independent author basically you are your own boss and so you can tell it like it is do whatever you want to do it's your own genre it's your own book however that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing for you um but when an author publishes alone they that's what indie publishing is they publish everything alone either they do it through their own personal talent um or they have professional assistance and actually an author, an awful lot of folks suggest strongly that you have professional assistance when it comes to covers because uh, cover makers are going to be experienced in how to make them correctly. And those that do independent authors that do their own covers, they typically look very personally done, very amateur, and you don't want that effect on your book if you're serious. I mean, if you're serious about, and I'm, I'm assuming that folks are serious about their careers. Um, I will say, and I, as, I, as I said, the author doesn't really have to care about their professionalism, but I will say that most of the authors I know that are indie pub authors, they are extremely focused on their careers. They are very professionally minded. Um, they're serious about their careers. They have excellent books, and they continue to grow in their writing ability. They continue to pursue uh, the best in, in their writing. Um, they are in control that they, of what they can do, um, but, and so they are very focused about it. Indie publishers, indie authors might be publishing for themselves for a number of different reasons, too. Yeah, I kind of um, hinted at that before. It's the same. It's the same reason that you might be rejected uh, when you have an excellent book. You're not fitting the publisher's niche. You might be. Um, I I have a friend that couldn't find a publisher, although she just won a very big uh, award for historical. Uh, but she couldn't get published because she didn't have enough romance in her historical. So there, it's because they might not reach the target audience that the publisher intends to reach. And on their own, exactly. they have a wider range for that. So the business is such that the market is filled with authors and finding a niche is not always that easy. So even long-time, well-loved authors have trouble finding places for the books right now. And yeah. I'm going to very quickly, I'm going to be the one that everybody's probably going to write Margie and they're going to complain about me, especially for indie <laughs> writers. But there's something about the indie indie market that discourages me. I agree with, with Margie. There are excellent indie, indie publishing authors out there. 
but they're getting lost because authors will, an author will find a publisher who's willing to publish a book that is inferior. That's in traditional publishing. But there are also indie authors who have not studied the craft of writing at all. And it's so easy to publish now that they put this stuff into the market and then they offer it for free and it's ad nauseum free so that someone can, they can climb the rankings. They think they're climbing the rankings and what they're doing is they're hurting everybody. Traditionally published, subsidy published, indie published, they're hurting everybody. So, I'm on my, you were on your soapbox before. My soapbox is to tell authors, please, please, please study the art of fiction or know what you need to know if you're publishing a nonfiction book before you get out there and, and inundate the market with books that readers are going to pick up. They're going to look at it and they're going to put it down and they're never going to take a chance again. So that's what that's my soapbox, and I'll leave it at that, Margie. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you though, it, it does make a glut in uh, the marketplace of substandard mm-hmm. writing, and uh, unfortunately, there are a ton, probably hundreds of thousands, unfortunately, books that should never have been books. And so, as you are doing your NaNoWriMo, remember, this is a first draft. This is your first draft. This should not be published as it is. This is a first draft. It needs to go through a really strong editing process. You need to put it before other people's eyes besides your best friend, your dog, and your mama. It needs to go through people who are voracious readers like beta readers or it needs to go through other authors who are they're in, they are educated in the the craft of writing and they're going to be gentle and kind but honest and help you strengthen your writing because if you're not I mean seriously being serious about your career being professional and serious about your career means you want to grow your writing you want to strengthen your writing and even bestsellers need to strengthen their writing I mean seriously so this that's we're just soapboxing all over the place right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are. <laughs> now, indie authors might choose this path um, if they also have talents about uh, other than just writing, if they have computer expertise, if they have ability with photo styling. Uh, when I first started, uh, even though I, I had an agent, um, my first books, they were just, they were um they were just novellas. I was just wanting to get my feet wet. I was just wanting to learn some things about publishing. And so after having put them through their through critique groups uh, ad nauseum as as say used and getting them just ripped apart and re put back together, I did go ahead and put them up as indie pubbed books. Again, just to find out how to do this and the reason I did that is not because I wanted to jump through or hurry through the the process um these were these were books that I actually wrote specifically for independent publishing so that I could see how this process worked but I 
do have computer expertise. And I am a photographer, and I've done a lot of work on photo editing. And so it was just a case of learning the formatting experience. And, and so that was something that it was, it, was not just, um, it was not just something that I could do. It was also something that I really wanted to do because that's fun for me. Um, or if, a, if an author knows people that do have all of those abilities, um, they can publish the work. Because seriously, why share the royalties if you, if you have a good product and you can make it a quality product? Um, you have a good book, great. You have a great manuscript. It's not a quality product yet. It's a great manuscript, and it can be a great manuscript. But if, unless you can make it a quality product, don't end up. Um, and, and if that means paying other people to do it, then that means paying other people to do it. As far as you should still be an indie pub and have uh, a person that you hire to do the cover art, have a person that you hire to do the formatting, have a person that you hire to write the blurbs, uh, you can do that. Make sure it's a quality product one way or the other if you're going to be an indie author. Yeah, and an author might become indie to gain control over their own projects. Um, mm -hmm. I know this. For most publishing companies, the editors do hold sway over everything about the book. The bigger the company, the less say that we have as authors in the elements, such as our formatting, our blurbs, and our, te our teasers, or our cover art. And in parentheses, I'm putting say says, thank goodness, because even I'm terrible at those things. Um, <laughs> and I... <laughs> I've learned much from the publisher that I write for, which is which is right integrity. And yes. I've learned from the publisher that I acquire for. I trust the editors, and I had a I had a lot to say with my traditionally published books. I've had a lot to say, um, and my first one was a romantic suspense. The cover that I had. When I first got the contract, it was not Right Integrity Press. It was another company, and they published this book, and the cover, it had a different name, and it had a different cover, and neither one of those spelled romantic suspense. So when Right Integrity, my company that I had contracted with, they went out of business, and Right Integrity said, oh, I want this. It's going to be the second book in your series. They had my first book. So... They re, first thing they gave it a, a different name, better than revenge. Now that sounds a little bit suspenseful, and they gave yeah. it a cover, a man with a holding a gun on the cover, and a woman that you know there's the man and a woman, and the man's holding a gun. That spelled suspense. They changed the back cover blurb. It all spelled suspense. So these are things that, as a as an if I had my say, and with my first publisher, I had more say than I should have had, and if I were an indie publisher, I still would have blown it, as you could see. Um, there are things that I did not understand that my publishers understand. Margie and Right Integrity Press know how to market a romantic suspense or a romance or a contemporary fiction for me. I kind of stand back and let them do that. If I had more experience, then I might be an indie publisher, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, I, and I, I do know have, that have oh, won awards. So, oh yes, ahead, that, that that do the indie that do the indie pub thing. I actually have an author friend. Um, she's multi published, and she 
particularly as she's published with several of the larger companies and particularly she published with this medium-sized company um, she had written a lovely book about identical twins and they were blessed with this mass of curly blonde hair and their hair was actually a pertinent detail throughout the book um, yet the, when the cover was made the woman on the front of the book that was supposed to be this uh, one of these twins she was a brunette and my friend had to go through all sorts of hoops to impress upon her content editor to discuss it with the cover artist the importance of the hair cover color because it really was it really was important and it needed to be the right color on the cover because that was supposed to be the main character. Well, it it did get fixed. I mean, it was down to the wire just before the release. The new came the new cover came out. Um, the girl was blonde, yay! But it, it, seriously, indie authors don't have to deal with that. They can hand select their cover art. They can choose their cover artist. They can they can interview their cover artist and hire them themselves. Um, they can decide on the effects that they want. They can also, and this is something just with the, on the publishing side, not on the fancy frou-frou side, but on in the in the mechanism, they can actually go in and have sales details that they can answer, an, uh, analyze anytime they want to. Anytime they have a new promotion, they can go and analyze sales details. And it doesn't always happen moment by moment, but you can you can go in there and really dig into it. Um, so there, there are other things that the indie author can have control about. Yeah, but what if you don't have the talent or the connections to release your book yourself, like me? I'm not. I'm. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Not everyone is computer savvy. That's me. Um, I can't set up any book. It scares me to even think about it. And there's no way I'm going to do a print book. So for there, for authors like me, there are two other types of presses. One. We all know it as the sub. I always want to say subsidy, subsidy press. Right, <laughs> <And> right. <laughs> this P is one that Margie and I know. They charge a fee up front for the work they they'll be doing for your book, but you get the final say on everything, and you will usually get most, if not all, of your royalties. And I want to say something about TMP. TMP is excellent in what they do. They're not going to publish you if you're not ready for it. So you really have to be careful with your sub- subsidy presses because some people will right. take advantage of you. And yes, there are things to look at. So there are huge benefits to do this. For one, you're going to be able to spend your time writing instead of learning another skill like formatting or photo enhancements, which will never happen for me. And you're not <laughs> going to have to learn how to deal with all the website protocols or new software. And that is a blessing. Oh, for another, you know, you have ultimate control over the project, just like you were publishing it yourself. Now, yeah, you're not going to be able to go in and switch things if, you were, if you're publishing it yourself and you decide on a word choice change, you can go in after the book is published and change it. That's not going to happen if you do a subsidy press. But you still have most of the control of the project before it actually gets published, just like you were publishing it yourself. Um, I will say most companies are going to require extra fees if you make changes to the manuscripts or the covers once they've been approved. 
Um, for one company that I looked into, and this is something to just keep in mind, and it's actually it's kind of reasonable. Um, one company that I looked into, they had nice prices, but they did have, like, for instance, for their book cover, their book cover actually included two conferences by email, email conferences with the cover artist. And then the cover artist would send three samples crafted according to what the author requested. And then they would also make one adjustment after the cover, you know, to one of those samples that had been chosen. But after all of that, after the conferences, after the samples, after the adjustment, if the author still wanted something more, there were going to be extra fees because anything more was going to require extra hours of work by the cover artist beyond those that were paid for. And so, I mean, it's reasonable. So just make sure you know what you want before you go into um, a subsidy press. And with that, we're going to talk about our final type of publishing. Um, like they had said at the beginning, it's like a combination of the, of the other three. It does fall under the name of a subsidy press, but it's a little bit different. Um, there is just, it's set up something like a traditional publisher. Now, authors wanting to be published by um, traditional houses, they have to submit their proposals and they get accepted. And there's just kind of this, this standard, this confirmation, this, oh boy, I made it because they were accepted by the traditional house. Well, this kind of press, this combo press, has that same type of thing. Um, they do have, uh, that the authors still have to submit their proposals, uh, their manuscripts, in order to be accepted. Unlike working with a traditional publisher, the author working with this combo publisher is going to have the same kind of control as an indie author. Um, but they have to be chosen. And then, of course, like with a subsidy press, the publisher is going to charge the fees up front for every step of the publishing process. But usually the author, again, like a subsidy press, they're going to realize most of the royalties, if not all of the royalties. Okay, so we shared um, what each type of publishing offers to authors, but different authors will want different things. For instance, if you have a book, maybe a memoir or a biography of a loved one, and you just want to make it available to your family or, relative, or a very relatively small group, you're not going to approach a, a traditional publisher for that. If you no. have the ability to publish the book yourself, that would be the best bet. Otherwise, publish through a subsidy press or that combo press in your, if your project can be selected by them. Other Oh, I'm sorry, I'm fading here. That's Can you okay. tell? The long yeah, election day. Okay. Often the one-time fee will also include free copies or special yes. discount author prices. Yeah, and you and you need to look for that. Okay, and on the other hand, on the other side of the coin, if you're embarking on a career, you've planned out a book series, or you have several manuscripts edited, and you're just wanting, uh, you're just waiting on the choices. A traditional publisher is going to be your best choice most of the time. Um, traditional publishing is going to take time and patience, but on the other hand, publishing a whole bunch of different books through a subsidy press is going to be extremely expensive. So if yeah. you can publish on your own, then you can bypass that weight. But that's also not always the best answer, um, as we talked about before. 
And traditional publishers, they not only take care of the details of a book release, they're also going to give you suggestions for promotions. And one thing you get with them, because their edits are what makes, they bank on their edits because they want to have a good copy. And that they want to strengthen your skills as an author because it also strengthens your book. And as a traditionally published author, I appreciate the edits I receive for Write Integrity. And don't tell Margie, but she once cut out one of my favorite scenes, and I was I was mumbling and grumbling about it. And when I looked at it, I saw what she saw. She said it, it wasn't supposed – it has nothing to do with the book. It was just one of my darlings. And it was a good yes. scene, and I had to cut it out. Oh, and it's that. a very big book. <laughs> but well, – and- I, you they know, it, it's hard. It's painful, but it is supposed to make make the story stronger and make the author stronger as an author. You are, yeah. you're just such a good author. I always hate content <laughs> editing your books because they're such a good author. But it's you know, I knew that was a hard one to cut too. But face right, though, like I was saying, securing a contract from a traditional publisher kind of gives you that confirmation of your writing. By its very nature, indie publishing can feel very isolated. So, okay, take this scenario. Jenny Author publishes her book. She publishes the book. She likes it. She loves the book. Her mom likes it. Her best friend likes it. So she releases it on Kindle and takes her chances with the reviewers. Oh, my gosh. Please don't be Jenny author. That just that's terrifying. All of these possible weaknesses in her story are going to be reviewed. They're going to be called out in public. Even some of the nicest reviewers are going to tell it like it is. Now they're going to be kind about it, but Jenny can wind up feeling downright downright roasted, wounded because of these reviews without the benefit of an editorial content review that is focused on strengthening her story and her writing craft in general. So Jenny's best bet is to take that, if not try and sell it to a traditional publisher or an agent in the in the interim, at least to take it to a group of trusted author friends who will tell her the truth in a critique, in a content edit, um, to help her see it objectively and not as her baby. Oh, I know these books are your babies, and it's mine too. I've got babies too. It is hard to let your babies go and get chopped up when it comes to editing and when it comes to critiquing, but it is so important for those stories to get stronger. You want the approval that can come from a traditional publisher, but you still want to have the control of your project. You might want to consider um, the combo publisher. This could be yeah. the best of both worlds to have this exclusivity um, of being chosen, selected for out of a small number of publishing positions, while at the same time keeping the ability to have the choice over your cover and your formatting and other, other um, elements of the process. Well, and this is where I have an announcement. Write Integrity Press is actually opening this type of publisher. It's sort of a next generation of subsidy press, and we have a very limited number of openings for our new subsidy imprint, so our standards are going to be very high. But with that comes an almost, almost an award-winning element 
because you're still chosen for those limited places like like we were talking about. And once chosen, the authors are going to have choices of a number of different options to give their books the best chances to sell. Our package prices are some of the best in the industry with a view to give the author the best opportunity for their publishing dollar because I know how hard it is. I'm an author too. I know how hard it is to get a book out um, on as as little as possible so that you can have a, a chance of making some profit back. And so we wanted to make opportunity for authors to actually gain profit on their books, even from the beginning. Our new subsidy imprint is called Faith Driven Fiction, and that's what it will publish. It will publish fiction only, and it will have the same standards as our parent company, Right Integrity Press. Right Integrity Press is the parent company for faith-driven fiction and all of our other genres, and so all of them are clean and wholesome and uplifting. So if you're an author and you're looking for a home for your book, seek us out. We're at Right Integrity Press website, which is www.rightintegrity.com slash FDF for faith-driven fiction. And then, okay, Advertising time. Speaking of uplifting, we have a huge blessing to share for you today only, and that is, just so you know, Election Day, November 6, 2018. We have an outstanding devotional, Glimpses of Prayer, that is free. The ebook is free right now, just today. Just today to celebrate um, a sister book. Glimpses of Prayer is part of the Prayer Project, and the sister book. Um, of Glimpses of Prayer is Prayer Warrior Confessions, and it is um, launching today. And it is only 99 cents today only, but it's a collection of true stories from real people caught up in extraordinary circumstances. And then there are other stories of people who simply see the extraordinary power of God. This is an anthology that has been two years in the making and has stories from all over the globe, and it releases today. Happy launch day. Okay, I got to shout it out. Happy launch day to our authors, their compilers, Harriet Michael and Shirley Crowder. Um, so it is only 99 cents today. You can find, and this is something else that's new, the ebook is available at Amazon, of course, as it has been, but also the ebook is available at Barnes & Noble and iBooks and Kobo Books. And then the print book is uh, available from all kinds of online distributors. But the uh, the ebook is 99 cents today from all of those distributors. And I want to shout out to Harriet and Shirley. It's a great it's a great day when you have a um, a book that's released. It's a special celebration. So congratulations, ladies. Well, and this is the final book of this series, this prayer project. It's four books long, and this is the final book. And I failed to mention that, so that's even better. It's even more yeah. uh, more special. Um, it's it's, but it is also it's about as special as the very first book of a series. And we've got one of those coming up next Tuesday. Faye, this is right down your alley because it's a cozy mystery. And I I think cozy mysteries are the best because. You have the mystery, and it always intrigues the readers. But with cozy mysteries, they're character-driven, and you can really get into these characters. So I, I'm oh. looking forward to these. Yeah, and this one has its own little niche, okay, because it also deals with genealogy searches. Those are becoming so popular. I tell you, I even filled out our family tree. I, I, okay, I did this when my oldest daughter was an infant, so it was 22 years ago. But 
I filled it out a couple of centuries, and it's got more on it than when I finished it. It's been awesome. Have you ever done a family search, Faye? I jumped on to one of the genealogy sites, and I was able to trace back several generations to family. I found out that my great-great-grandmother was from Austria, and my kids have oh, done wow. the DNA thing, but I draw the line there. My, my son <laughs> says, he's, because they're, they have um, 25% Japanese blood, that's their father was, was Japanese, but they're, they're finding out all of this stuff. But I'm one of these conspiracy theorists, and I just don't <laughs> want to know. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you. Well, the name of this particular book, it's Cozy Mystery. It's just full of genealogy. It's called One Leaf Too Many. I just love that title. Right. It was the cutest title. Great title. It is it is by multi-published author um, Julie B. Cosgrove, and it's just the first of this series. It's a brand-new series, and a few friends who find a little more than they bargained for when they search through the annals of, uh, of a historical record. And, and then after that, one week later, we have another first. On November 20th, we're going to launch the very first study of the Hope Rising Bible series, and I am so excited about this one. This study is by author and noted speaker Andrea Tom, who's also a Canadian. We are, we are, multi, we are multi-international. We are international. Well, we were already international because we have Bolivia. We have uh, our author mm-hmm. in Bolivia, but we have now two Canadian authors, and one of them, Andrea Tom, is going to dig into the beautiful story of Ruth. It's such an extreme, oh, it's such an extraordinary story and it's a great study. And she's gonna, she covers a few things that I didn't exactly expect. I, I, it was really a blessing. Um, Ruth, Redeeming the Darkness, is the name of her study. And it's going to answer questions not only from this Old Testament story, but also questions of the kinsman redeemer much closer to us. Uh, both of these, on, on their release day, both of these will be 99 cents just on their release days. Um, One Leaf Too Many will be at Amazon, and Ruth Redeeming the Darkness will be um, on the four that I mentioned, iBooks, Kobo Books, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. And a 99 cents on their release day for One Leaf Too Many, that is next Tuesday, one week from today, November 13th. And then Ruth Redeeming the Darkness release following Tuesday on November the 12th. 20th. So there's a lot to get excited about. I'm looking forward to both of those releases. Well, I, I have to tell you, we've got, what, two and a half minutes left. So, Faye, how is your, do you want to tell the title of your new book? Have we told the title of your new book? I don't think so, but it's one that I know a lot of my readers have been looking for, and I hear a little birdie told me it's coming out in uh, April 2019. It's called Delilah. It's the fourth uh, book in, in my The Ties That Bind series, and Delilah let me know exactly how tightly those ties were bound, and I'm excited to get that out there and have my readers find out exactly where Delilah comes from, because she's... She surprised me. <laughs> Tell me about writing Delilah. This is the fourth book in your series. That I mean, especially for those listeners that are just working on number one, or maybe they haven't even contemplated a series, how did your series come about? 
this one came about as a Sharice was a novella with five other authors and we pitched it to Barbara and they said they would like it but it didn't have a known name so we each took it back so I continued uh-huh. to write on Sharice and made it into a full length novel Libby tried coming she's the second book and she tried to encroach in Sharice's story and I said Libby just wait and I'll give you your own book so then came Libby <laughs> and then came Hope and each woman was they it's they it's friendships that develop and yes. there and I always here's how I here's how I announce it I say it's the four women and the men who didn't see them coming and the four men who didn't see them coming, <laughs> and coming. That's exactly I love what it. it well I, I am so about. excited I'm so excited to get um to get Delilah out and I'm excited about you getting a chance to finish your um, series. So I'm going to say goodbye to you. Yes, and I will hope to see everybody or talk to you all next week or next month. Next month. <laughs> next month on December 4th, right here on the Along Came a Along Came. Okay, I'm going to get this out. Along Came a Rider Network. Right, December 4th. We will talk to y'all again then. Bye. This has been Publishing Lane with your host. Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. If you'd like to learn more about Margie and her publishing company, visit writeintegrity.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.